Praise God. Romans chapter 8. While you turn there, I know some of you are really committed to discipleship class, and um, I apologize for the hiccups that we had on Wednesday. It's all there. It's just in three segments because we had um, some of the technology go out on us. We, we figured out what it was going on. We, had a, a, we were overloading a, a processor that was doing the, the video encoding, and so um, we have resolved that and, and should not have that issue again. So if you normally access those classes um, on the audio podcast, you're fine. If you normally access those classes on uh, Vimeo, you're only going to get about 52 minutes of the class, and so, um, but you can access it all on my Facebook page. Uh, so, just to make that announcement, not just for those of you who are present, but those who are watching the live stream this morning, so you know where to find that uh, particular class. Amen. All right, Romans uh, chapter eight, uh, and let's begin at verse number 31. Romans chapter eight, and verse number 31. It says this, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Now, I'm going to keep reading uh, a few more verses, but before I do that, I want to point something out to you, and that is... Um, how many of these statements of truth are being presented in the form of questions. Now, what we have uh, in the scriptures here is a a very good um, example of how we need to take our stand against the enemy, how we need to resist him, as the Bible says, steadfastly in the faith. Because what we know of our enemy is that he loves to come to us with questions. He loves to point out situations and problems and injustices and offenses and uh, problems and unpaid bills and strife in your family, whatever the case may be. He loves to come with you and try to nag you with questions, either unanswerable questions or questions that he is trying to use against you by engaging your own ability to think through and process uh, what's going on in your life. Now, one of the, one of the problems that, that many people have is that when the enemy comes to them with questions and, and engages their, their thinking and their, their, their ability to process uh, information and things is that far too many people, including God's own people, begin to process what's going on in their lives outside of the Word of God, outside of um, or separate from forgetting or ignoring what we know from the Scriptures. And so the Apostle Paul was a human being just like you and me, uh, born again human being, but a human nonetheless. Meaning what? Meaning he was susceptible to the same uh, things that the enemy would, 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 would bring against uh, you and me. Uh, he experienced and encountered those same, thing, same things in his own life. If you've ever read you know, his brutal honesty by the Holy Spirit in, in Romans, the seventh chapter, where he talks about struggling with things in his flesh and continuing to do things that he despised and hated and no longer wanted to do that were wrong, 
and still struggling to do things that were right that he knew he should do, but yet uh, having a hard time sometimes finding the motivation to do that. Uh, that, if anything, exposes to us uh, where the Apostle Paul was coming from. Um, I sometimes refer to these men like Paul or Moses or, 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 or whoever as heroes of the faith, and I believe that they do deserve um, that kind of recognition uh, for the lives that they lived. And the Bible says, give honor to whom honor is due. But we shouldn't you know, relegate these men and women to positions that are somehow superhuman or beyond um, you and me because they experience the same kinds of struggles and the same kind of challenges that we face today. And this is uh, why you know, their words and the words that the Holy Spirit speaks through them to us are so valuable and so important. And so the Apostle Paul begins in verse number 31, and it's still on the screen, um, but if obviously you follow along in your Bible, you can go back up with me. He says, what then shall we say to these things? Now notice, he's, he's not talking about any one thing in particular. He's just talking about things. Uh, we may say stuff. Amen. He's talking about things that are going on around him, things that are uh, you know, facing him. Uh, problems, issues, circumstances, situations, uh, things that seem to be hindering him, things that seem to be uh, thwarting his ability to do what God's called him to do. And so he asks a very important question. And it's not just an important question because it's in the Bible. It's an important question because, again, it, it creates the context for how the enemy tries uh, to influence and ultimately manipulate our lives by questions. And so the Apostle Paul is saying before any of these other beautiful, some of my most favorite words in all the Bible uh, that are to follow here, he begins by asking you and me a question. What are you going to say about it? What are you going to say to these things? Let me try to make that a little more plain for you. How, as a child of God, are you going to respond? What are you going to say? Amen. You say, well, what I have to say is my opinion. What I have to say is, is, is you know, I've got to get some things off my chest. Or sometimes we even, we even say, I gotta, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind, you know, like we've got enough to go around. You know what I'm saying? And, and so, uh, again, this is where the enemy, uh, you know, traps so many people. Because although I'm not here to teach on these things this morning, the Bible's very clear. Death and life hinges on, what, on the words that come out of your mouth. Amen. And, and so what you say is so critically important. And so many times we don't even realize that the enemy is goading you and me or trying to goad you and me into saying things that contribute to his cause. He's trying to get you and me to, to participate in a conversation, amen, outside of the truth, outside of faith, outside of what thus saith the word of the living God, right? Because again, this puts you and me in alignment with him and uses the authority and power of your words against what Father's trying to produce and what Father God is trying uh, to, to realize in your life and the lives of other people and, in, and instead moves that power and authority of your words and actions over into the enemy's column. So what then shall we say to these things? He's answering some things here. And one of the first things that he's going to say is, again, in the form of a question, if God is for us, who can be against us? Many years ago, I think we were still in the cabinet shop, 
we, we spent some time uh, teaching on the subject of, of prayer. And one of the things that the Lord showed us about prayer is that prayer is much more than asking God the same questions your problems are asking you. So many times, you know, let's say you've got a power bill uh, that you weren't expecting. It's more than, than, than you uh, were, had budgeted for. And now you're not sure how you're going to pay that power bill. And now that power bill laying on your kitchen counter, every time you walk past it, it asks you, how are you going to pay me? How are you going to pay me? What are you going to do about this? Where are you going to get the money for this, right? And then a lot of people just simply take the question that their problem is asking them, and they ask God, God, how am I going to pay this? Where am I going to get the money for this? What am I going to do about this? And they call that prayer. My brother, my sister, that is not prayer. Jesus taught us to speak the answer to the problem. We've got to shift out of problem mode into answer mode. And one of the reasons that the enemy asks us these questions is he's trying to draw us into problem mode, or as we like to say around here, into survival mode. He's trying to lure you again into that place so that he can influence your thoughts and ultimately manipulate the words that come out of your mouth and the, and the choices or the actions that you take. How are you going to respond? How am I going to respond? So, so notice what the Apostle Paul is doing here by the Holy Spirit. Um, imagine that he's got some issue. He had legal problems. I mean, he had the most powerful physical government uh, you know, that had ever existed on planet Earth up until that time, the Roman Empire that, that was trying to execute him. I mean, he had a lot going on that he was facing and dealing with that was asking him a whole lot of questions, right? And so notice what Paul did by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He decided to ask his problems some questions, right? And, and notice this first one. It's one of my favorites. If God's for me, who can be against me? Now, see, if, if you will, instead of how we're going to pay this bill, what we're going to do about this wayward child, how are we going to fix this problem at work, if, if, if instead of sitting there meditating on that and allowing that to become the, the, the question that drives your thoughts, how about if you shifted it over to, man, if God is for me, who can be against me? Right? What if you started asking yourself that question? What if that became the conversation starter in your mind, in your heart? and that your thoughts were directed down a path based upon a biblical answer, based upon truth to that question. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Was uh, Paul being charged with some things? Yes, he was. He had legal charges that were being brought against him. Were they fair? No. Were they just? No. But it didn't change the fact that they were still being brought against him. But notice that he's realizing now, uh, I'm sure after fighting this battle in his mind, you know, and, and, and the threat of execution and, 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 and public humiliation and all these other things, after processing all of this, at some point he came to himself and he says, wait a second, who, who is qualified to bring a charge against me? God has already justified me. Verse 34, who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? 
And just for the record, again, let me, I'm trying to read these things through, but just for the record, the Apostle Paul, if you know his testimony, he faced tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, and sword. He, he, he faced and dealt with all of these things. And as we, as we would say, not in a prideful way, but in a humble way, giving honor to God, he lived to tell. In other words, this was what Father God had already brought him through. These were things that he had already been delivered out of. Isn't it amazing, and I'm, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, isn't it amazing how we can, we can be facing some situation or crisis in our lives, and if we're not careful, we will forget everything that Father God has brought us through up until that point. My friend, the same God that delivered the bear and the lion into your hand will deliver Goliath into your hand. Amen. And so, again, this is, Paul is reminding himself, he's encouraging himself, and in the process, providing encouragement for you and for me. Verse 36 is going to require some explaining here in just a moment. As it is written, for your sake, we're killed all day long. We're accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Well, I would recommend that you get these verses in front of your face. Amen. Maybe stick them on your fridge, maybe on the dash of your car, maybe make a note on your phone, um, make it a screensaver perhaps. But I would, I would just, again, do you, do, you do you, amen. You do whatever the Lord leads you to do. But I'm just, as your servant leader, I'm encouraging you um, that, that you need to become very familiar. I don't know how long it's been since you've memorized uh, a verse or two or five or seven, um, but I would recommend you committing these verses to memory, amen. They will serve you well now, but I believe they will also serve you very well in the days ahead. Amen. Now, what are you going to say to these things? Let me step back for a moment because there's a few things I want to either remind you of or put up on the table for us before we break down these verses uh, this morning. And one of the first things that I want to remind you of is that life is choice-driven. And the devil can, can control your life to the extent he can influence your choices. So life is choice-driven. I know that, you know, a lot of folks today are, are looking to blame God for the, for the things that happen in their lives. Or they're looking to blame the devil for the things that happen in their lives. When the reality of it is... Um, Things that happen are the result of choices. Amen. Now, some of the things that, that we deal with and experience in life, um, negative things that we deal with and experience in life, are not necessarily because of a choice that we made, but because of a choice that somebody else close to us made. And now there are uh, issues that are facing you or facing me. All right. Now, again, that's just reality in a in a fallen world amen but it's not the final word <laughs> amen because greater is he who's in you and in who is in me than he who's in the world so even if someone else makes a choice that impacts you negatively that doesn't mean that you're doomed to failure but that you can overcome you can rise above because faith is a victory 
that overcomes this world and everything that is in it. But once again, we can't, we can't lose sight of the reality that life is choice-driven. And the devil knows that if he can influence and manipulate the choices that you make, the, the, the choices that I make, to that extent, he can influence our lives. Now, Satan's strategy, and I'm putting this up on the screen, okay? Satan's strategy is use what is going on around us to influence our thoughts in order to manipulate our words and actions, okay? So he's wanting to um, use what's going on around you. Let's start there. He's wanting to take what's going on around you, a circumstance. Circum comes from the word circumference, circle. Stance comes from what's standing, okay? So a circumstance has to do with what's standing around you in a circle, a circumstance. I don't know what circumstances you may be facing this morning. Amen. But again, faith is not afraid of circumstances. Faith doesn't, you know, tuck tail and run in, in the face of a mountain. It, it rises up in you to move that thing, that mountain, that obstacle out of your way. But we have to, and the Bible says we cannot afford to be ignorant of the devil's devices. We need to understand how he operates so that we can uh, not only defend ourselves uh, against him, but to resist him and put him on the run. So Satan's strategy is to use what is going on around us, around you, to influence your thoughts, to influence your thoughts, Because if Satan can influence your thoughts, then he is in a much better position to manipulate your words and actions. Okay? Let me me kind of say that backwards, all right? If the devil never gains a stronghold in your thinking, then he is pretty much left out of any ability whatsoever to manipulate what you say and do. In order to manipulate what you say and do, he has to influence your thoughts. Because words come from thoughts. Actions come from thoughts. Thoughts are are the building blocks, amen, for the things that we say and the things that we do. Amen. So the strategy of the enemy is to influence your thoughts. Well, one of the, the simplest ways for him to do that is to take what's going on around you. Um, again, none of us are proud of this, but I think... Most of us in this room, those listening online this morning, have probably faced and dealt with things in your life, circumstances, let's just stay with that word, amen, whatever that may look like, whatever that may be, um, that have kept you awake at night, for example, where, you know, and I'm not proud of it, I'm just saying, amen, I have to get a hold of myself, encourage myself in the Lord, but but sometimes, you know, you're you're facing situations, and, and, and for me, um, uh, you know, a lot of times it can, it can be people that the Lord has brought into my life that they may be dealing with some issue or some problem or what have you. But again, the circumstance tries to so dominate my thoughts that I can't rest. Am I, uh, amen. Okay, I'm just me and two other people. That's all right. The rest of you just hang around while, while I talk to those two others, okay? Um, no, amen. Again, it's, you say, oh, I sleep like a rock, Pastor Mark. Well, okay, good, but you, you understand what I'm saying. That nagging, you know, thing uh, that, that the enemy just, 
And it's like if, if you forget about it for 30 seconds and then all of a sudden it's like it comes crashing right back in on you like, like a wave. Again, this is, the, this is the enemy's strategy. He's trying to take what's going on around you to influence your thoughts in order to manipulate your words and actions. Now, why is he so determined to manipulate your words and actions? I know that so many times that when we, when we think about this, we only think in terms of him trying to, for instance, tempt us to sin. That, that he's trying to, to influence our thoughts because, you know, we just we keep thinking about that thing over and over again and it's something that we shouldn't do. It's something sinful before God. But the more we think about it, you know, the, the more um, our desire for it becomes awakened. And, and, and if we don't shut that down, again, we've all, whether you want to admit it or not, we've all, myself included, have, have fallen victim to that. And so certainly this is, according to the scriptures, what we see in the, in the book of James about desire and thoughts and the mind and, and sin being born and sin full-grown causing death. All of that's there, and certainly all that's in play. But I've been telling you now for weeks that the devil doesn't play checkers, he plays chess, okay? And, and, and it's not just that the devil is trying to get you to sin, but the devil wants to influence your thoughts in order to manipulate your words and actions because your words and actions have the ability to silence and dominate him. Your words and actions have the ability to silence the enemy and dominate him. I'm going to say that again because far too uh, many people in the body of Christ don't understand this, have never heard this. Your words and your actions have the ability to silence and dominate the devil. You may not know this. You may not believe this, but he absolutely knows it's true and therefore tries desperately to manipulate your words and actions. The Bible's very clear. We've looked at this verse over and over again. If you, if you resist the devil, if you submit yourself to God, resist the devil, the devil will flee from you. We've went over the list, and I'm not going to go over the whole list, but when it comes to an ability to stop the devil and what the devil's trying to accomplish on planet Earth. Governments can't stop him. Laws can't stop him. Judges can't stop him. Technology can't stop him. Education can't stop him. And any other thing that you might put on the list other than uh, the, the church and body of the Lord, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on planet Earth, the blood of Jesus, the name of Jesus, the authority that is in his name, nothing else can stop him. Are you hearing me? No, 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 matter of fact, all those other things, he eats them for breakfast. He uses government. Governments can't stop him. Governments, uh, in many cases, are, are uh, toys and, and tools in his hands. Are, are you following what I'm saying? You know, we, we think that we're going to you know, reach some level of education where we become such an enlightened society that will you know, just create a utopia from our education and technology. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Look at how the devil uses technology. And everybody, say, everybody says, you know, uh, the devil's on the internet. Well, the devil's, the devil's anywhere on planet earth that people let him be. Are you hear what I'm saying? Amen. We're on the internet this morning. Praise God. Are you hearing me? Amen. 
But yes, the devil's there. There's all kinds of things there. So, you know, the fact that, you know, we're going we're gonna to connect the whole world through the World Wide Web and, and, and all these other things, and somehow that's going to fix all the, the Earth's problems, it's, it's, it's not going to do it. Because, again, what, whatever's in a man is going to come out of that man. That's what Jesus said. Amen? Right? doesn't matter how educated that man is. If it's in him, it's coming out of him. doesn't matter how much technology he has access to. If it's in him, it's going to come out of him. If he has access to, to technology, it's going to come out of him in a big way. Amen. So when we talk about your words and actions have the ability to silence and dominate the devil, there, there is no other people group on planet Earth other than God's people who have the ability to do that. And so this is why, again, do you see how he's trying to use circumstances? He's trying to use the circumstances to influence your thoughts because if he can influence your thoughts, he is in a much better position to manipulate your words and actions. It's, it's his playbook. It's not just straight out of his playbook. This is his playbook. And we need to recognize this and we need to understand this. Now, I want to I speak to you and... I, Sometimes, sometimes when the Lord drops something in my heart, you know, I mean, it's like, it's almost like when I relay it to you, I can put quotation marks around it. I mean, it's like that profound, it's that sincere. This, this came a little bit differently, but I believe it's just as much from Him as anything that, that comes to me by the Spirit with quotation marks on it, all right? We are a nation inside a nation. When the Lord began to speak to us, I think it was, I could look back in my notes. He began to speak to me in March, but there were some things that we were already covering, and then we started, the, you know, we went to the online Sunday morning service, and then we were able to come back together, I think, in June. So I could look back in my notes to get you an exact time frame on this, but the Lord began to speak to me about COVID and then other things related to it. And I know it's been a while since we've mentioned all that, but let me just remind you again that he said that this crisis in the world, it's not a crisis in the church, unless we allow it to be a crisis in the church. It's a crisis in the nation that we're in. We're a nation inside a nation. So notice, if we're a nation inside of a nation, then what goes on in the nation around us is what? It's circumstance. Are you following me? Chaos was going on all around Jesus and he was asleep in the boat. <laughs> Amen. And so the same for you and me. What's going on in our nation? Amen. Chaos and trouble. Remember the word of the Lord to us was don't allow the chaos around you to become chaos on the inside of you. Because if the chaos around you becomes chaos inside of you, then you're in no position to stop what it is and, 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 and be the authority and use the authority that you've been given in the name of Jesus to make a difference in the world, the nation that we're inside of. So we're a nation inside of a nation. Now I want you to hear me. When I say hear me, I, I'm, I, I, what I literally mean is I want you to hear what the Lord is saying to us this morning, okay? And so I'm going to read it to you. We are a nation inside a nation. For too long we have thought the church is dependent upon the United States when the truth is the United States is dependent upon the church. 
He goes on to say, For too long we have believed the future of the church is dependent upon the future of the world. The truth is the future of the world is dependent upon the church. And this, my brother, my sister, is is a shift that absolutely positively has to take place in the hearts of God's people. We have to stop looking at ourselves as dependent upon what's going on in the world around us. We are not dependent upon what's going on in the world around us. Our trust does not lie in the governments of this world. Our trust does not lie in who's at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Our trust lies in the one who sits upon the throne and reigns forever, whose name is above every name, both in this age and in the age that is to come. Amen. This is who we are. This is who we are. And so the Lord spoke to us. He said that COVID is exposing some things. It's a test. And we shouldn't... Remember one of the things He said to us is that so many times when His people go through a test, they want to talk more about the test than the test results. The church is being tested by what's going on in the world around us. And it's revealing some areas. It's exposing some weaknesses. It's exposing some things that, that need to change, that, that need to be corrected, that, that, that need to be dealt with, and that need to be addressed. And one of the things, I think maybe one of the biggest things that's being exposed by all of this, and even what's happened over, over this past week, is just how much the church has put her trust in this world and in this world system instead of in God. It is way past time for the church to figure out where we came from, who we are, where we're going and why we're here. Way, way, way past time. Now, I told you, and I'm going to keep telling you because, again, I believe this is what the Lord has spoken to me, that the devil's number one goal for coronavirus is weaken the church. It's weaken the church. It's that more than anything. Everything else, I'm not saying he doesn't enjoy the misery and the death and the suffering and the, and the thousands upon thousands of small businesses that have closed their doors and all that. He, poverty, sickness, death hopelessness, lawlessness, unrest, chaos, all of those things. But that was not the devil's number one goal for all of this. The devil's number one goal for all this was to weaken the church. Why? Because again, the church is the only body, the only entity on this planet that can stop him. Now we know that he can't end or stop the church because Jesus said, I'll build my church at the gates of hell and not prevail against it. Let me give you, and they may be clear, but let me, let me just make it as plain as I can this morning. There are three reasons, three reasons Satan wants to weaken the church. Three reasons Satan wants to weaken the church, okay? Number one, we have the power and authority to destroy his works. Not just provide a hindrance to him, not just slow him down, not just make what he's trying to do harder for him to do it. See, all of those 
communicate a defensive posture. Jesus didn't just come to be defensive where the enemy was concerned. He came, the Bible says, to destroy the works of the devil. And he said, as he was sent by his father, so have we been sent by his father to do the same thing that Jesus did. And so, again, if you don't think the devil is trying to influence your thoughts so he can manipulate your words and actions, then you don't understand who you are, where you came from, why you're here, and where you're going. Amen. So three reasons Satan wants to weaken the church. Number one, we have the power and authority to not just slow him down, but to destroy his works. Number two, we are preventing him from doing what he wants to do in the earth. We are preventing him from doing what he wants to do in the earth. And then the third one we touched on a little bit last week. Reason number three, we have been given an assignment that will lead to his eternal doom. We have been given an assignment that will lead to his eternal doom. According to Jesus, not according to religion, not according to, uh, what's the guy, Nostradamus, not according to, to all these internet theories, according to Jesus, the master himself, the head of the church, when will the end come? Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. I'm not going to take the time to do it right now. But as important as preaching the gospel of salvation is, preaching the gospel of salvation is not the same as preaching the gospel of the kingdom. There are a lot of places on planet earth where salvation has been preached, but the kingdom has not yet been preached. When I got to go to uh, Kenya and preach there, I preached kingdom. Are you hearing me? And if I believe the Lord is leading me, and I, at this point I would say yes, to go next year to Tanzania, I will preach the kingdom there. Are you hearing me? Not just come and be saved. He did not say the gospel of salvation will be preached in all the world. He said the good news of the kingdom. You say, Pastor Mark, what's the difference? Well, Wednesday night, amen, we will go into an hour and 45 minute lesson on the difference between the gospel of salvation and the gospel of the kingdom and what the kingdom is. But again, Jesus didn't just say salvation is here. He said the kingdom of God has come from the third heaven to the earth and it must be preached. Are you hearing me? Whose responsibility, whose assignment is it to preach the gospel of the kingdom in all the world? My friend, it does, that, that assignment hasn't been given to angels. That assignment hasn't been given uh, to, to, to monkeys and, and, and puppies and, and, and other created living things. That assignment is an assignment that has been given to the body of Christ. And according to Jesus, until, until the gospel of the kingdom is preached 
in all the world as a witness to all the nations, the end will not come. So again, I'm going back to that third reason why Satan wants to weaken the church. We've been given an assignment that will lead to his eternal doom. Satan knows that he is living on borrowed time. He knows there's coming a day when his reign of deception and terror will be over forever. And a big part of his strategy is to prolong this season of history. How does he do that? Well, if the end didn't come until the gospel of the kingdom is preached to all nations as a witness, and the church is responsible for doing that, do you see how he wants to weaken the church? Do you see how he wants us to be so caught up in our own little world, in our own little, uh, you know, us for and no more mindset that so many people have when it comes to church that we never even consider the billions of people on planet earth that have never heard the name of Jesus a single time. All of these, again, are strategies and tactics of the enemy. So how are you going to respond? Right? You see, see, we come back to having the right response for what's going on in the world around us is more than just knowing what time it is. It's more than just having something clever to say on Facebook. And by the way, let, let, let's, let's talk for a minute about that. What will you say to these things? Never in the history of mankind has your voice had a greater opportunity to be heard by more people given the technology that we now have in place. It's very, very sad to me. How many people, I'm talking about people that I know and love, people that, that I believe are born again, but they get on the internet to gripe and complain and tear down and stir up strife and, 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 and exalt themselves in pride and, and it's, it participate in arguments and, and try to make other people look bad by making themselves look good. Listen to me, absolutely positively no, absolutely positively not. If you don't have something good to say to somebody or about somebody, and if you wouldn't say it to their face, then don't say it at all. Don't hide behind a computer screen. And be some bully making a fool out of yourself. Amen. We have an opportunity to bring life and light and hope Are you hearing me? And my brother, my sister, the world is so desperate. They're more desperate for that that now than perhaps at any other point in, in, in my generation. Is the world looking for somebody that truly does know how to, to get along, that truly does know how to uh, coexist, as they say. Amen. Singers, musicians, y'all come on. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. What then shall we say to these things? We will get back to this next Sunday. I want to, I though, kind of spark something. Greg, you may need to turn their monitors back on, brother. I appreciate you doing that for me, but I don't want to mess them up either. So thank you, sir.
Can you give me a couple of minutes? Just a couple of minutes, all right? To be honest with you, that was my introduction, all right? Really, it wasn't even, it wasn't even my introduction because we haven't even talked about in God we trust yet, but we'll get there. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? How are you going to respond? Satan wants you to respond by focusing on everything and everyone who is against you. It's not stated there, but it's certainly implied. Satan wants you to respond. Think, speak, and act. He wants you to respond by focusing on everything and everyone that's against you while forgetting or ignoring who is for you. Stand with me, praise God. In the next one, he, he, we see all that he's freely given us. But again, the devil is wanting you, Satan is wanting you, ask you questions, so now all of a sudden you, you go down this pathway of all that you don't have and all that you wish you had and all that you need but don't have access to and so forth and so on. Again, notice he's, he's bringing us out of that quagmire into, if he didn't spare his only son, how will he not freely give you all things? Satan wants you to respond without ever considering what's been given to you. He wants you to respond without ever forgetting or ignoring altogether who's on your side. As you try to process what all's happening in our nation right now, please don't forget who's on your side. Please don't forget what he's done for you. Please don't forget what he's given to you. Please don't forget that he's made you right. Please don't. Are you, are you hearing me? That's what the devil's banking on us doing, but we're not going to fall for it ever again. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, thank you for the men and women in this room, for those that are joining us online. Father, I thank you that you're speaking to us today and that you've given us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to understand. Father, we repent before you this morning for allowing circumstances to affect our thinking and getting emotional about things and next thing we know Father we're saying things and doing things that are only making matters worse. They're not destroying the works of the devil but they're reinforcing what it is that he is trying to accomplish. Father I thank you that you are drawing people to yourself. And Father, that, <clears throat> that despite everything that's happened in the world around us and is happening, even, Lord, to this very moment, that this family of faith is not weakened, but Father, we are strengthened. And we've come out of the other side of this thing wiser and more aware and with greater faith, Lord, than we started all this with in January of this year. And so, Father, I thank you that we're beginning to see ourselves as part of the answer. Father, we're beginning to see, Lord, that you have put us on this earth for such a time as this. 
And Father, that your church is going to be the church and that people are going to see and rejoice and know that there is a God in heaven who loves us unconditionally, who is emotionally connected to us, who is eternally committed to us, and who is enthusiastically concerned for us. And so we thank you for it. With um, heads bowed and eyes closed, you hear this morning, you say, Pastor Mark, I, I, am, I am here today, but I have never received this gift of salvation that Jesus paid such a high price for me to have. Let me just tell you very quickly, the eternal Son of God became a man and dwelt among us. He lived a sinless life. He was falsely accused and executed on a Roman's cross after having been beaten almost to death. He was punished although he was innocent. And what the Bible teaches us is that he was punished for my sin and for yours. They took him off the cross and buried his dead body in a borrowed tomb, but on the third day, Father God raised him from the dead, triumphant over death, hell, and the grave. He now sits on the throne of the universe, high above, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. And the Bible says that He's been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Everything that this Jesus did, he did for you as your substitute. And this morning he's standing here with his arms open wide to receive you and to make you one with himself. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Mark, I'd like to receive that gift of salvation. Could I just see your hand very quickly? Never been born again. Never been born again. I felt a real urgency to do this this morning. Anybody? never been born again. I'm not, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to join this church or move a letter. This isn't about administrative work. This is about kingdom business. Amen. Amen. All right. Praise God. Praise God. I want us to worship the Lord for a moment before we're dismissed. My prayer and faith is that you've got something out of this today that's helping you and helping, helping you navigate forward. Amen. I'm going to say it again. We've thought for too long that the church is dependent upon the United States when it's just the opposite. It's just the opposite. The United States is dependent upon the church. If you take God and God's people out of this country, this is not the exceptional country. Are you hearing me? This is not the exceptional country that it's been for many generations. Let's not lose sight of that. Amen. Amen. Let's sing together. If you'd like prayer or someone to pray with you, these altars are open. Let's just allow the Holy Spirit a moment to deal with us and, and work with us.